Yo, what's going on, guys? It's your boy, Chris. First of all, I just want to say thank you guys so, so, so much for listening to my podcast, for sharing it. We had almost a 1,000 downloads last week. Not a 1,000, but we'll get there one day. Almost a 1,000. But still, that is insane to me. So thank you guys so much, everyone out there who shared this, who listened to it, who downloaded it. I'm so appreciative of you guys. Thank you guys. You guys give me the confidence that I'm on the right track with something here. And I'm going to work my ass off to bring you guys more great content and also grow this podcast until it becomes huge. So thank you guys. Okay, on to this week's episode. This week's episode is with one of the first members to join the Facebook community. His name is Ken. And in his post introducing himself, he seemed like a super sharp, accomplished, driven person. I'm all about that. Love those kind of dudes. So I invited Ken to come on the podcast. I asked him to come up with a list of five things he wished he knew when he was 20. I came up with my own list as well. By the way, I'm 32, if you didn't know. Early 30s, still feeling young, still feeling like I'm in my prime. Still got many more years to go, but I thought we could come up with some important points to pass on to the young guys in the group. Ken and I go back and forth in this episode with our list of five things we wish we knew when we were 20. Okay, and right before we start, if you enjoy the podcast, please share and subscribe. If you really like the show, please write a five-star review. I would love that. It helps get the show noticed by more people. One more thing, Facebook group, Badass Asian Dudes. It's just killing it right now. I feel like I'm on the cusp of something big. You should join if you're motivated to improve yourself, whether it's your health, your wealth, business, you want to network, basically anything. And you want to meet other Asian dudes that are killing it too. So let's get on with the show. Thank you guys so much. Yo, Ken. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, man. Love the, love the concept, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of my experiences and things I wish I knew when I was 20 with more folks like, uh, like you and me. Sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's start off with a little background about yourself, who you are, what you do, so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I am Vietnamese-American. I grew up in the East Coast, spent uh, most of my university and grad career here kind of flew back and forth uh, to the west coast um, and I'm pretty well traveled at this point so I would say a little mostly American all over the place in terms of uh, where I spent most of my, my development years uh, in terms of career I spent I, I would say 15 16 years in technology strategy consulting technology research uh, worked at a startup that got got acquired 2016 for 1.2 billion. So I was an early guy there. And then recently, I've been focused on fintech in particular. Um, so my, I joined a firm recently as a, as a pretty senior guy in the executive team to help build out a financial services product uh, that will be used for some big banks. Still kind of in the skunk work stage, so I can't say too much about it. And then the last bit here is that part of my, my side hustle is I am pretty active in the New York City venture capital and angel investment community. So I get to kind of help credit angel investors, essentially, do some due diligence on their, their investments. And, and I also run events here, too. Cool. That's awesome, man. 
Okay, so when you saw my post about my podcast and Facebook community, what were some reasons why that resonated with you? Why did you want to join? Just having actually kind of, kind of gone down this path myself with a few individuals um, through various communities who, have, who share the same background that you and I have, which is that we are Asians who uh, spend most of our lives in the West. We have, uh, I guess I would say, similar familial backgrounds, very, very tr- traditional kind of, well, I wouldn't say traditional, but Asian American style, in this case, um, upbringings. But there's, I think, something missing in the dialogue in terms of really understanding, you know, our place in the societies that we live in. And, and furthermore, um, having a voice, right? So many Asian American men in particular, uh, I think, I guess in a way we feel invisible um, because most of the media really promulgates certain kind of ideas and mindsets of what diversity is. But at the same time, we're viewed as privilege and also not, I would say, part of the mainstream conversation. So there's a dichotomy here that I think many of us have to, have to struggle with. We don't have a vocabulary to describe it, right? So I think... This is the reason why I thought Baddest Asian Dudes was a great concept. And I, I would like to see it build into a, a, you know, flourish into a big community where not only do we elevate our close associates, but we elevate each other just by being around and being role models and, and showing each other how we've done it, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a community of Badass Asian Dudes, future Badass Asian Dudes, all helping each other all elevating each other's games. I think it's been awesome to see how quickly the group is growing. I think we really have something special here. Absolutely, I agree. I think you've hit a chord here, and it will definitely grow further as people discover it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and really exciting. Okay, so Ken, let's get right into it. For your list of things that you wish you knew when you were 20, what's your first one? My first one is, number one, find a mentor. Something that I think that, and this could benefit anybody, but I think Asian American or Asian Australian or Asian, any, any hyphen you can think of, like I said before, there's a unique experience that we have. And our sisters and our mothers and our fathers are not going to understand some of those struggles and challenges you have to overcome to find your place in, in, the, in the world, right? So finding a mentor that is not someone you're related to, that is someone that maybe is an, an aspirational person in your life, whether that is your teacher, your coach, pastors, or even just anybody, someone, someone older, someone more experienced that you think you, you, know, you can learn a great deal from. Invest in that relationship because that's not, that's, I think that, that's a thing that I think some people are shy about, right? And what does that mean when you invest in a relationship? It means you're meaningfully spending time with somebody, getting to know them, asking them questions, have them ask you, asking you questions, spending quality time and connecting with another human being. I think that is a tremendous starting point for a lot of dudes. Like if I was 20, I mean, they say that two or three, the, the kids end up being pretty successful in life or people that have had two or three mentors that are not related to them early on. And they can be very influential. Ken, I love it. Yeah, I think that's so incredibly true. And I feel extremely lucky. First of all, I had my dad who was a huge influence on me. He was an entrepreneur and started his own company. And just growing up, that influenced me that I always wanted to start my own own company because of him. And then secondly, when I wanted to create an online business, 
I had to find someone else that had done it before. So I would watch YouTube videos all the time. And there was this one guy who really, really inspired me. And I actually reached out to him via email. And through that email, we started talking more and more and we became friends. And he taught me a lot about internet marketing, about online businesses. And so I feel so grateful that I found this guy to be kind of my mentor. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. It's it's also I think you were lucky in having identified this person early on, um, and that person sounds like it messed he messed it in you as well. So I think there are certain things like not triggers, but sort of like things that you can identify early on in a relationship that that person will be amenable to be a mentor. So really, be just really spotting the opportunity and really asking, right? Like you have to ask for what you want. Yeah, definitely. Ask for what you want. Take initiative. Be the one that takes action. I think that's so incredibly important. Ken, how do you find your mentor? My most important mentor uh, early on in my career was someone that I didn't actually work with, but I, he was my client, <laughs> my first job. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he'd spent almost 20 years uh, as a senior executive at, at a very large telecom he really was someone who, who was trying to impart some of his wisdom. And the one thing he told me that was very important is actually this. He said, even at my age, I'm a grandfather. I'm in my mid-60s. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I, that was kind of a revelation for me because I said, God, at that age, like, you, like, you still don't really have it figured out. And that made me think, well, then I must question everything. So that was kind of interesting revelation. And this is a mentor that influenced me in that way. Damn, that's deep. That's really deep. That's awesome, dude. Okay, so your number one is get a mentor. And just to add to that, I think you have to be proactive. What we talked about before, be proactive, take the action to seek those type of people and provide value to them so that they want to help you. And that could also mean becoming friends with them too, you know, so you can just ask them stuff whenever and they feel like they want to help you because they are your friend. And I feel like it's so much easier when you have someone like this, when you have a mentor or a friend that can like teach you this kind of stuff or help you with lessons or whatever, because whenever you're having an issue and your mentor has gone through that before, they're just like, dude, just do this. It's so easy. And I feel like for me, there's been several moments like that in the course of my business that helped me tremendously. So I think, yeah, that's so important. Find a mentor. Okay, here's my first one. You have to take 100% responsibility and ownership for your life. So whatever your goals are, whatever goals you have, your health, your wealth or career, relationships, whatever, you have to do it yourself. You have to have the mindset of doing it yourself. And and we just talked about having a mentor, like finding a mentor. Yes, that's really important. But then just have the mindset that you have to be the one to take initiative and take action. And we have family, we have friends, but don't count on them to help you. You have to be independent. Everyone has their own things that they're worrying about. So whatever goals that you want, you have to have the mindset of doing it yourself. Also, not blaming others, not having a victim mindset, your lack of money, your lack of connections, whatever. If you want it, you have to take the initiative and take the action to make it happen. Yeah, that really resonates with me. 
especially the the part where you cannot blame others. You really have to take control of your own situation. Yeah, definitely. Hugely important. Okay, what's your second one, Ken? So number two, it's making a mission to get out of your comfort zone. What that means is, let's just say you're used to being around a certain crowd of people speaking a certain language or just you know, being at home playing video games. Uh, it could be as simple as that. What, what I think that I've done in the last several years that has really helped me is I've made a purposeful effort to socialize with people that I normally wouldn't. I know that sounds a little bit duh, but the truth is that when I've gone up to a crowd of people that I would not ever cross paths with, and I force myself to kind of be in a situation where I have to have a conversation with them. So for example, I was not really into art early on in my 20s, but I take a few art classes. And what I wanted to do was really understand the world in, in which in the, their lens and their point of view and what they consider valuable and interesting. So I joined an art club and I just hung around with a bunch of people that were really interested in, in art history and went to museums and, and socialized. One of the things I realized is that it just gave me the muscle memory to connect with a variety of different people, regardless of whether or not I am an art person or I'm a soccer person, or, you know, maybe that person's person's really into flamenco dancing. So I think the, the point I'm trying to make is that use these as opportunities to practice, to understand the context in which other people view the world and how to connect with them on a more personal level. Yeah, that's so important. Stepping out of your comfort zone, doing things that you normally don't do. I think it sounds so obvious, but also it's very hard because most people, they want to stay in their normal day-to-day routine. Even me, I love my routine as well, but definitely stepping out of your comfort zone, I've seen the most growth by doing things I don't normally do. Yeah, I agree. Um, Nothing ever good comes from being stuck in comfort. Definitely. I agree 100%. And actually, one of the things that I do every single day is in the morning, I write my to-do list and that has like all my work stuff, my workouts, etc. And one of the things that I want to do every single day on my to-do list is something out of my comfort zone. So I try to make it a daily task to do something that I don't normally do. I love it, Chris. And, and I think, I think the, the challenge is that little voice in your head that says, you don't believe here or or those people don't want to talk to you but the truth is you don't know until you do it that's so true ken and i think one easy way to step out of your comfort zone every single day if you're a single guy is if you're going about your day and you're at a coffee shop or the supermarket and you see a girl that you're attracted to a girl that you think you would vibe well with you should go up and talk to her that will get you out of your comfort zone real quick completely um, yeah, and, and yeah, this definitely applies to to women as well. We always make assumptions about whether someone would be interested in us or not, right? One thing that I that I learned in just forcing myself to interact with a lot of other different people, not that I was like antisocial before, but just putting myself in the situation is that everyone has the same anxieties in social settings too. Um, and it becomes less over time. But the truth is, Everyone has their own belief. They're imposters. They don't belong here. They don't, uh, you know, it's not their tribe. So I think that's, that's a very important point, Chris. One more thing regarding stepping out of your comfort zone. Ken, have you ever taken a cold shower? Of course. Okay, that's awesome. 
I take a cold shower every single morning. And what I read is that taking a cold shower, it helps you with that willpower muscle. So like when you are trying to step out of your comfort zone, do something outside of your comfort zone, there's that resistance in your head, that voice telling you not to do it. And the cold shower recreates that. So in the morning, you wake up, it's cold, you're groggy, and you turn on the cold water. And right before you jump in, you have that voice in your head saying that you don't want to do it, but you just jump in and take the cold shower. And that trains your muscle when you feel that resistance in your head to just do it anyway. And I think it really works. Is that why you take cold showers too? What's the reason why you take them? I do them because I do sports that are really hard on my body and the cold showers helps with inflammation. So it's not, it's, uh, I could see why the shock to your system, right? Is like, kind of, yeah. that's great. Another Got thing to the, to the explore part is doing a sport that is incredibly physical, that forces you to have mental grit. Now we have a few guys in the group that are BJJ black belts, right? And I've been, involved with judo and grappling since 1999. And I recently took, uh, well, recently, about 10 years ago, took on Muay Thai and, and boxing. Right now, I'm really focused on boxing. And let me tell you something, Chris, getting hit in the head, that's kind of invigorating. I almost feel like it should be de rigueur. You know how they have those lists about like top 10 things you should be, you should know how to do as a man, like making a cocktail or being able to fit, change a tire. You should know how to hit somebody and get hit in the head. Um, sounds a little bit, uh, you know, caveman-ish, but I think that takes away a lot of the anxiety and fear that if you are able to put yourself in a mental situation where you might have to deal with pain, you can deal with anything. That's that's the thing I want to drive on. Yeah, definitely. I did a bit of Taekwondo back in the day, but it's been a while, so I might need to get back into that. Okay, here's my second one. My second one is don't compare yourself to others. And I think in today's day and age, it's extremely, extremely hard because of social media. We have stuff like Instagram, we have Facebook, you're bombarded by advertisements, by this, by that. You're bombarded with influencers trying to sell you stuff or a certain lifestyle. And so when you compare yourself to others, that's just a losing game because I think that there's No, I don't think. I know. There's always someone out there that has more stuff than you or a better life than you. I also think it's one of the reasons why people are less happy nowadays uh, because of social media. I think there's a bunch of studies out there that show that people are more depressed these days because of social media. And I, I think it's true. So I think instead of comparing yourself to others, what you need to do is create little goals or milestones for yourself. And I'll give you a personal example. This podcast is a perfect example. So I love podcasts. I listen to all different kinds of podcasts. I love people like Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, all the big guys. And when I see their numbers, their following, holy shit, like that's really intimidating. That's really scary to see. But instead of comparing myself to them, the way I think is I think in personal milestones. So I'm just going to get 1% better every single day. I don't care about anything else. I'm just going to get one listener. And then once I get one listener, I'll get 10. And then once I get 10, my goal is 50 and so on. 
just small personal milestones. And I think that's the way healthier and more motivational route to go. And you are on a long, long journey. So it's quite cliche, but one step at a time. I think that's so important. Even for people who want to start a business, it's really intimidating when they see other people making so much money every single month. Businesses that have been established for a while. So when people ask me about advice for business, the advice that I give them is make your goal $1. That's it. $1. Just think about making $1. Nothing else. Don't get intimidated. Your goal is $1. That sounds so easy, you know? And so once you've made $1, I say your next goal is $10. Once you've made $10, $50, $100, $500, and so on. And I think it makes it easier to measure against yourself and you have tunnel vision. So my advice is set small incremental goals, small incremental milestones for yourself instead of looking outside and seeing what other people are doing. That's so important. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, if you if you interview or hear an interview of a football player, they always respond with something like, every day I'm trying to get just a little bit better. And that's exactly the mentality that they have. And I think everyone should have. Yeah, it's so true. Just every day, get a little bit better. Okay, what's your next one? So my third one is learn a partner dance. That's a little bit off the wall and maybe a little out of left field for some folks. But let me tell you, man, I, I put a lot of my heart and soul into salsa for about four years. It sounds kind of random, but it elevated my, I, you can say my, my physicality when it comes to interacting with the female sex in a very, very different way. And the reason why I say that is because of this. With a partner dance, you're going to be in situations where you have to get comfortable touching, interacting with a woman physically. So there's spots, there's pressure, there's just the ability to understand how to move your body in relation to another person, in this case, a woman, that really helped me get comfortable just with touch, really, at the end of the day. And I think just to kind of like bring it back to like the Asian, Asian American male, Asian hyphen experience. I don't know about you, man, but I wasn't hugged a lot by my dad and even my mom when she would hug me, I guess she kind of stopped after a certain age, but didn't really get a lot of that. And so I've dated a very large variety of women who have grown up with that. And they're always kind of surprised when they, when they hear that. Um, But I mean, salsa, really just kind of elevated my game when it came to understanding the importance of touch and placement and and going on dates and just getting comfortable with a woman with your physicality as well. Yeah, I think that's really true. You have to be comfortable with your own body and you also have to be comfortable interacting physically with women. So yeah, maybe learning that through dance would be a great way. I actually know how to salsa dance because I was based in Medellin and, uh, I had a private sauce class every single day for two hours while I was while I was there, and I was there for around like two months. When you come to New York, we'll take you to some uh, some clubs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll have to go check it out while I'm there. Okay, here's my third one. My third one is write things down with pen and paper, and this could be anything. It could be your notes, ideas, your daily thoughts, journals, goals, basically anything. And for me, writing things down definitely helped me a lot. 
And what's worked for me also is not doing it with just like a shitty sheet of paper, but having like a nice journal, like a moleskin or something that I can carry around. And the reason why I think this is important is because when you write things down physically, you gain more clarity in your thinking and what you write down holds more weight. Also, just human memory is known to be pretty shit. So it's nice to be able to go back and see what I wrote, especially for all the ideas and thoughts that I have. So I think that writing things down is incredibly important. And I would say go get a nice journal today so you could start doing that. Do you think it helps you, Chris, with in terms of uh, accountability and forcing yourself to be beholden to what you write down? Oh, 100% because I journal every single morning and I should journal at night too. That's a habit that I want to have as well, journaling at night. But every single morning I reflect on the day before and I think about what I wanted to accomplish the day before and if I did that or not. And so because I reflect on that in the morning, I think, okay, because I didn't do this yesterday, I have to do it today. And I'm more accountable for my actions for that day. But I also want to get into the habit of doing this at night so that I can reflect on the day that I had instead of reflecting it after a night of sleep. But for sure, 100% writing things, keeping a journal has kept me way, way more accountable. And also being able to review my goals, review the things that I want to accomplish really, really supercharges my brain to go after those things because I'm reminded about those kind of things all the time. Yeah. I think it also points to the importance of how all these things kind of have to be kind of in a concert to work well. Although every little step you take is important and will show incremental improvement. A lot of these things are multiplied by how you do these things together. So my number four is learning how to speak in public. Now, the, uh, why I put this on the list, again, it sounds a little off the wall. Perhaps a lot of people are not cognizant of the importance of this. But I've been in my career path uh, for the past 16 years at this point, 15, 16 years. What I've noticed, though, in terms of the individuals who get elevated beyond being competent at their job is the ability to be an evangelist. To, to really articulate a vision, to tell a narrative, to tell a story, but to t- tell it with a certain point of authority. And that's also part and parcel with understanding how your body, right? Understanding how to use your space, your gestures, your vocal intonation. All those things are signalers, actually, about your ability to lead people and lead teams and be a leader amongst men, right? So this is why military, people with military experience are so valued in business, this is why people with Boy Scouts uh, as Eagle Scouts or whatever it is in the resume are valued. In the Western diet paradigm, learning how to speak and being able to articulate very complex things into very simple ways that people can remember, incredibly important. And something that I wish I knew earlier on, but I picked up over time and it's really elevated my game. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, that's true. Being able to speak publicly, being able to express your ideas in a clear, coherent way, I think that's incredibly important. Ken, how did you learn to speak so well publicly? Well, first, like everyone, I had incredible amounts of, well, I wouldn't say incredible. 
I did have anxiety. Some people have like sort of paralyzing anxiety. I would get nervous. I would start getting sweaty palms. But one thing I did was really I made, like you said, every day you, have, you make 1% improvement, right? So what I did was I, I, didn't, I wasn't super systematic about it. But what I did was said, okay, I get anxiety. Why do I get anxiety? Well, it's because I don't know the topic very well. Okay, then I work on my preparation. Or people don't view my, my way of articulating things um, memorably. They don't remember what I say. So maybe I need to simplify how I structure the talk. Or thinking about the, the tricks, the dynamics of how your body, in combination with your voice and your content, how those things work in concert. So for me, what I loved, what I needed to work on was my physicality, how I stand, how I use the space, where my hands go, right? And all those things over time, it just took reps. Just like anything, like salsa dancing, you learn turn patterns. With, uh, you know, boxing, you learn combinations, you learn reactions. This is about the process of building muscle memory within yourself, within your, your brain and within your body. So... That's how I kind of went about it. My approach is maybe, maybe different from others. Some people may be, may be much more systematized about it. But for me, I needed to internalize it. So that was my process. Oh, yeah. Also, there's that free club in every city where you can learn public speaking. Do you know what I'm talking about? Every city has a Toastmasters. So I recommend right. everybody out there, find their local Toastmasters. Just get into it. You're not going to be good your first time. Most people aren't. It's a muscle. You have to practice. I also was forced to do it in, in the business school. <laughs> so, you know, one of the people kind of poo-poo the, the value of business schools, but the truth is it's about building a complete individual. Um, so they, they really do focus on training people to be leaders in, in all aspects. So I also recommend that. If you have an opportunity to, you can take on the debt <laughs> um, and you know that your investment will have some return on return. MBAs are pretty, pretty helpful too. Go to a top 15, top 21 though. Don't go below that. That's just my recommendation. Yeah, for sure, man. That's so funny. I also took a public speaking class in business school as well. I think that's like a required class that you have to take. One point that I don't want to de-emphasize is the importance of actual, actually body language. And we could have an entire session, buddy, on that because body language is something that you're not really taught it necessarily. You learn it through experience and witnessing other individuals, like your dad, how they carry themselves, but taking up space, especially as men. I think there's, um, there's a great talk by Amy Cuddy. Um, she talks about body language and sort of how physicality affects your brain. Uh, it's on Ted. And there's another pretty good guy, uh, from ESA, the Barcelona business school talks about public speaking and some aspects of physicality. His name is Neil, uh, Con- Connor Neal. He's a professor there. Um, so I would do a quick search on Google or YouTube and find out those two people. It's we'll only put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes here. Perfect. Perfect. And I can recommend some books too. We'll, we'll throw them in there as well. Cool. Yeah. So the next one for me is you're young, but you're not that young. So I feel like when you're in your twenties, you feel like you have your whole life ahead of you and you do. So I'm not going to take away from that, but then also you have a limited amount of time. I think that when you're younger, you feel like you're invincible, that you have so much that you can accomplish. And so you feel like you can just relax 
And so oftentimes what you do is you'll waste a lot of time. You'll come home, you'll watch Netflix on weekends, you'll go out with your friends and that's fun. But then also you have to make sure that you have your priorities, you have your goals and you start working on your goals as soon as you can, because in the end you will die. And in the end, you will be older and you'll maybe you'll have like a family or a lot more responsibilities. So if there's something that you want to accomplish in your life, you have to take the initiative right away as soon as you can and try to gain clarity in your life and figure out what you want to do so that you can start taking action on that. So basically, my main point is have a sense of urgency in your life. Because you're not going to live forever and you only have one life. And there's a really interesting Google Chrome extension. There's this thing called the death calculator. And so what you do is you'll put in your age, how old you are, and then it'll calculate kind of like the average time of death. So if you're 20, like maybe you have around 60, 70 years left to live. And so it'll count down the seconds of your life until the time of your death. And so it's a really, really interesting Google Chrome extension because you see that your life is passing you by and you have a limited amount of time. So it makes you hustle a lot more towards your goal. Ken, have you heard of this death calculator? I've not. Um, damn, that's dark, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's dark. I, for me, I feel like it's very motivating. There's so many things that I want to accomplish in my life. Yeah. And like I said before, everyone thinks that you have all the time in the world. That's why everyone's just kind of just like chilling, you know, like whatever their goal is like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and it's like, okay, I actually don't really want to do that. Maybe I'll do it like next week. And you always put off things that you know that you want to do or things that you need to do because you have more time. But you really don't. You have to think consciously about your life and that time is passing you by. Time is the most finite resource. Yeah, Chris, I agree with that. But I would almost look at it slightly differently. What I would say is, yes, time is finite. But I think one thing we have to also be prepared and maybe meaningfully do is don't be afraid to, 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 to up your skills in other areas because all that happens in symphony to take you to your final destination, you are where you are because of all the decisions you've made. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I wouldn't have gotten to know, got to know or experienced the experiences I did if I didn't take moment, take some time to really explore and I wouldn't say meander but really just the exploration component, right? Because your every experience is another thing that you add to your arsenal. Um, so great example is Steve Jobs when he took some time off to go to Reed College and learn about typ typography. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of a legend to that because for the, for the, the truth is typography was probably the least of the app features on making the, uh, you know, the, the Apple, um, I think it was Apple II, um, you know, build, building, building his computer, essentially. Uh, but I'm sure that process of rumination really inspired him to, to do what he wanted to do, to build this thing he wanted to build. Uh, and without it, maybe he wouldn't have uh, created the company that we all know today. 
But I agree. There's a certain urgency we need to employ. Um, but at the same time, like, don't fucking like, don't sit on your hands, but don't, don't like obsess over the time. Make use of it. Learn another language, you know, or explore, travel, that kind of shit. Oh, I definitely agree with all that, what you said. So things that you want to accomplish, it could be anything. It could be traveling the world. It could be learning a language. It could be anything. I'm just saying that don't procrastinate. Live your life with a sense of urgency that you only have one life and your time is running out. So just live consciously and think about what you want to accomplish and try to make it happen as soon as you can. Yeah, definitely. Procrastination, I think, is is all and in, all inside of us. And so, yeah, I think to get over that, I think definitely having a sense of urgency will help with that. Ken, the death calculator, man, that'll give you a sense of urgency for sure. Okay, what's your next one and your last one? Yeah, my last one is learning to ha- to negotiate. So most people think when you learn to negotiate, it's about bargaining. But that's not actually what it means. It's about understanding. Now, actually, they, they teach us in certain negotiations classes. But it's about expanding the pie, so to speak. Now, think about every negotiation as a pie of like a finite quantity of value. And in most negotiations, one person uses a diametric opposition to the other. They're trying to get the same, uh, most, the, more, the biggest slice of the same pie. And the way to switch your brain is about how to, how to expand that pie. How can you get everybody what they want or at least the uh, sufficient level of satisfaction for both parties? And if you take that concept and apply it to various use cases, so it can be for job negotiation, obviously. It can be for micro-interactions in your profession at your job, with your boss, with your coworkers. It can be with women, friendships, really anything. But the, the key takeaway there, and as you, know, you guys start exploring the concept of negotiation, some of you probably know a great deal more than I do. But you know, as you explore that, what it does is it forces you to articulate your wants and desires and basically asking for what you deserve, right? Not selling for less, which I see a lot of guys do. They go, hey, I'm comfortable in my analyst position somewhere at a bank or an insurance company or whatever. And they'll take the 5%, 6% raise on an annual basis, but they're not reaching their full potential. And so negotiation happens all around us every day. It's not just one big event. So that's the short of it. We can talk more about it later, but that's, that's my, my number five. Yeah. I really like that, Ken. And I like the way that you framed it. You said, how do I expand the pie for everyone? So it's not just thinking selfishly about yourself, but also thinking about the other party and thinking, how do I make this a win-win for everyone that's at the negotiation table? Because life, I feel like, is not normally just like a one-off negotiation. You're normally dealing with the same people over and over again. So you want to make it so that everyone wins so that they will always be working with you in the future. And also another point I really liked that you said is that asking for what you want and taking the initiative to voice your opinions and get what you deserve. I feel like that's really, really important. One more thing I want to add is uh, 
I think I think negotiation is really important. And to go along with that, I think sales is really, really important as well. Whether you're in a sales job or you're not, you're always selling. You're selling yourself. You're selling your ideas. And sales is one of the most important skills that you need to learn. So negotiation and sales. Completely. And this is why, I mean, I'm sure folks that are in dating circles and pickup communities and things like that, I I was never really into that. But what I really took away from what I've read is that these guys are branding themselves. They're creating experience. So yeah, we're selling ourselves. As soon as we walk out the door, how we dress, how we look, how we walk, how we talk, all that shit, that's selling. And then when you interact with somebody, you're negotiating. It's a life principle, man. Yeah, definitely. Okay, here's my last one. My last one is be around people that motivate you. So I think we've all heard that you are the people that you hang out with. And I think that's so incredibly true. Whoever you spend the most time with, they are your biggest influences. So here's an example. If you want to eat healthy, but all of your friends, they just want to eat pizza and hamburgers every day, you're probably going to eat pizza and hamburgers every day. So I feel like it's really important to choose your friends wisely and make sure that the people around you are motivated people that want to do something in their lives. If that's something that you want to do as well, because when you see your friends hustling, you want to hustle too. If you see your friends succeeding, you want to be successful too. So I feel like it's so, so important that who you surround yourself with are people that motivate you. And when you're younger, for sure, it's a lot harder to choose your friends. But I would say that with online communities, it's a lot easier to meet people that motivate you. And that's one of the reasons why I created my Facebook group so that I could gather a group of people that are all motivated, that are all hustling together so we could all get to know each other and level each other up. This is also how I use Twitter. So I follow people that I really, really admire. And with Twitter, they share their thoughts, what they're thinking. And because I get to see that kind of stuff, I feel like that influences me as well. So I think that this is one of the most important things. If you want to accomplish something, then be around people that want to accomplish things too. Yeah, that's a good one. I think curating your friends is extremely important. As you get older, your network becomes how you find your new opportunities. Therefore, and this goes back to our our previous point around sales and negotiation. Therefore, the way you represent yourself every day is exactly how you're remembered by your peers. And these people will be your your cheerleaders. They will recommend you for the next job you get. They will mention your name for that startup that is hiring the chief information officer or CMO or looking for a product manager. So I agree. You, You need to start thinking about who around you can can be a value add essentially rather than pulling you down so that's an awesome one chris love it yeah so just a quick plug if you're looking for like-minded people our facebook group is a good place to start just go on facebook and search badass asian dudes there's already a lot of cool people in there yeah and it's going to continue to grow man definitely ken do you have any parting words any last words no i think i think everyone has an individual path in life so my only parting word is this. Everything you, you heard today is going to be useful to you in some way. But make sure you also understand your context too. So try to apply it. But uh, 
Yeah. I would love to hear your, your audience and what they have in mind as well. There you have it, guys. My conversation with Ken, that was awesome. That was my first time talking to Ken. And like I said before, he was a community member and I reached out to him because he seemed like a really wise guy. And this conversation was awesome. So I'm really, really glad that I had a chance to talk to Ken. And I learned a lot from him and I look forward to interacting with him more in the community and also I'm really excited about our Facebook group and how it's growing and the quality of people in there. It's really, really awesome. So once again, if you like this podcast, please share and subscribe. If you really enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review and check out our Facebook group if that's something you're interested in. And so thank you once again. I'm so appreciative of you listening to this podcast and I'll see you guys next week.